Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the January 10th, 2015 edition of the Habs 360 podcast here featured on allhabs.net. I'm your host, Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And with me is uh, my co-host. His Twitter handle is at Peter Galanos. Peter G., welcome back. Thanks for having me, Chris, once again. So the Canadians, since our last episode, played two games. It was two games against difficult opponents. It started off last Saturday night when the Montreal Canadiens faced the Pittsburgh Penguins for a battle of first place. The winner would be first in the Eastern Conference. Kittner follows up behind him. Back to the line as a quick shot. Into top and scores! Max Pacioretty! We've been playing our best hockey. I think we've been doing really good things with the puck, uh, keeping it very simple, especially on the road here, and that's been our biggest success. And obviously our best players have been our goalies. You know, that's always huge. To win five games on the road like that takes a lot of discipline and discipline within our system. And I think that, uh, you know, coming in here today, playing our fourth game in five nights, uh, you know, against a very good hockey team with some great players, I thought we stuck to the game plan and we worked hard on the all right, so we heard Max Pacioretty scoring at that time was the 16th goal of the season as the Canadians went on to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-1. to And this was a game that wasn't even close. Montreal Canadiens clearly deserved to win that game. And that put the Canadians atop of the Eastern Conference. And we also heard from Tom Gilbert, who scored 
a goal and got an assist in that game and finished a plus four. He was on goal, sorry, on the ice for every single goal of the Montreal Canadiens. Max Pacioretty got one goal, one assist. He was a plus two. And we also heard from P.K. Subban, who was talking about you have to be disciplined. Kind of funny, knowing what happened a couple of days later in the game against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And we'll talk about that uh, during today's podcast. And at that time, Carey Price played a second game in two nights following a, a game on the previous night against the New Jersey Devils in Pittsburgh, made 30 saves to help the Canadians beat uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-1. to On Tuesday, Canadians facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, which another strong opponent, like I mentioned, another one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and one of the top teams in uh, the NHL. Uh, before that game, we know the past between these two teams in recent history. We uh, The teams faced each other last year in the first round of the playoffs, and the Canadians swept them in, in four games. And the coach, Michel Therrien, was asked, is there a rivalry between the Canadians and the Tampa Bay Lightning? It's, I don't, what I say, it's a rivalry. We're not in the same division. It's tough to say. Um, what did you say, Coach? Let's hear, let's hear that again, because I think he must have made a mistake. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's, I don't, what I say, it's a rivalry. We're not in the same division. It's tough to say. Okay, so I guess we're a little bit conf- uh, confused. Canadians and Tampa Bay Lightning apparently aren't in the same uh, division. So the Canadians ended up losing against the Tampa Bay Lightning that night, four to two. It was the Canadians' first loss of the season after scoring the first goal. The Canadians were sixteen and zero prior to uh, to, uh, to to that game. So let's hear now the coach after the game to tell us what happened. Yeah, we, we forgot tonight uh, the reason why we got success. So. Uh, we didn't deserve to win, so we got to put this one behind us and uh, uh, get focus, get our focus back, get our work ethic back, get our discipline back uh, for the next game against Pittsburgh. We didn't play 60 minutes. It's uh, it's all this to it. We didn't compete hard for for half the game, and um, you know we don't really know why. Obviously, we had answers to that, and uh, it wouldn't have happened. But um, you know, we played well in the third, and I think. Uh, you know, if we were able to play like that for three periods, it would have been a different game. We didn't do a good enough job of competing for pucks down low. Um, you know, we got outworked. Uh, we didn't make it hard on their defensemen. Uh, that, that was a game plan, and we didn't do that at all. So, um, you know, anytime you get outworked in this league, you're going to have a hard time getting shot. So we also heard from Max Pacioretty and Dale Weiss. Dale Weiss had another good game for the Canadians on Tuesday night. So, Peter, in early October, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Canadians 7-1. to it was uh, one of the early games in the season. And on uh, this week, it finished 4-2. But the score was actually uh, closer to to than what the actual game was. Uh, considering that these two teams are in the same division, obviously contrary to what uh, Michel Terry thinks, mm-hmm. uh, are you concerned if these two teams face each other in, uh, in the playoffs? Uh, well, if the playoffs were to start this week, with the rosters that these two teams currently have right now, yes, I would be worried. 
because uh, Tampa Bay is uh, a lot stronger than the team that the Canadians faced uh, last spring in the playoffs. Don't forget uh, there was a different factor there when ben, with Ben Bishop uh, getting injured and the Canadians pretty much facing the backup the rest of that series. That played a big part. Uh, now with uh, Ben Bishop in front of the goal and uh, plus, I mean, Tampa Bay's got a very red-hot line uh, playing right now. One of the best in the NHL, if not the best in the NHL right now, in uh, Tyler Johnson with uh, Palat and Kucherov. Teams are forced to play their top defensive pairing against them. And actually, sorry, teams are forced to play their top defenseman against Stamko's line because he is their top, their most dangerous forward. So that line often gets uh, doesn't face the top two defensemen, and they get a lot of scoring opportunities. And right now, they're just a high-scoring team. They're their forwards, the forward lines. I mean, uh, I'd rather have theirs than what the Canadians have right now. They have a lot more depth up front. And uh, I mean, for the Habs to beat them right now, right now, if the playoffs were to start now, they need a, an unbelievable performance from Carey Price to steal it. Because uh, right now, I would favor Tampa Bay in the first round matchup with, with the Canadians. Uh, and I'll tend to agree with you. I think it would be a concern for the Montreal Canadiens because even last season, prior to the playoffs in the regular in the regular season, when Ben Bishop was in goal. The Tampa Bay Lightning did win the season series against the Montreal Canadiens. So considering all the factors that you already mentioned, and and what I just mentioned now is even adds to it. So I think right now if the Canadiens would face the Tampa Bay Lightning in in uh, the playoffs. I'm not sure. Well, one thing's for sure is it wouldn't be a four game sweep like it was last season with uh, with exact same rosters that uh, both teams have. So, at the conclusion of Tuesday night's game, that brings the Canadians to the 40-game mark. They have a record of 26-12-2, which gives them 54 points. They are four points behind Tampa Bay Lightning in the Atlantic Division, but the Canadians do have three games in hand over the Lightning. So, if the Canadians win all those three games, Canadians do leapfrog ahead of them. Trailing the Canadians in the Atlantic Division are the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings are trailing by one point, but and the Canadians, excuse me, have have one game in hand from them as well. And Peter, I guess the good news is, if Tampa Bay was in the Canadians Division, Canadians would be first in the uh, in the Atlantic Division. In the wild card race, Canadians have a four point cushion over the Washington Capitals. We have the first wildcard spot, and they have a six-point cushion over the Boston Bruins, who have the second wildcard spot. But the Canadians do have two games in hand over the the Bruins, and it's it's nice to see that for once those Boston Bruins are under the Montreal Canadiens, and at least for the moment, it's uh, it's not even close. But knowing the Boston Bruins, I think they're still in it. They're they're not out of it. We we shouldn't count them out. But maybe one team that we could start counting out could be the Toronto Maple Leafs, who dropped out of the wildcard race, and, and we saw what happened over there uh, this week. And if we look at 
the the Eastern Conference. Canadians are right now fourth place, tied in points with the Pittsburgh Penguins, one point behind the New York Islanders, and uh, four points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like I mentioned earlier, Canadians have three games in hand over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Canadians have one game in hand over the New York Islanders. And they've played the same amount of games against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And it's still the Detroit Red Wings that are trailing behind them. And in the league, not bad. Canadians seventh place. From the first place, there's a three-way tie with 58 points. And the Canadians have games in hand over two out of those three teams. So the Canadians right now are in... At least to me, it looks like they are in good shape. If you go to sportsclubstats.com to look at the Canadians' playoff chances right now, they're at 95.9%. So it's pretty certain the Canadians will make it to uh, the Stanley, uh, sorry, not the Stanley Cup final, the Stanley Cup playoffs, I should probably be the correct terminology I should use. So it is halfway through the Canadian season. Well, technically, it's after tonight's game where the Canadians will have played exactly 41 games, half their schedule. So you know what that means. It is time for our mid-season review. And that's related to our question of the day. Which players surprised and disappointed you in the first half of the Canadian season? You can let us know via Twitter, at Tabs360. Or if you're listening as well to our live broadcast, you can go to our blog talk radio chat room and you'll be able to go in there and leave your comments and we'll be reading your tweets uh, throughout today's episode or if there's anything Montreal Canadiens related you want to contact us about go ahead don't be shy about it so when we go through the evaluations well, we won't make it too complicated so we're going to evaluate the players based on our expectations of the players and it will be three, possi- three possible ratings we can give the players exceeding our expectations, meeting our expectations, or below our expectations. So just those three grades we won't make it any more complicated than that. And if you want to rate the players as we go along, feel free to send us yours via our uh, Twitter account. So let's get started. We're going to start it between the pipes and the Montreal Canadiens goaltenders. We're making it really difficult on teams to come up the ice. We're forechecking hard. We're backchecking hard. Um, we're taking time and space away from teams when they get into our end. And, uh, you know, everybody's doing their job and making it hard on opposing teams. So we heard there from Carey Price, who uh, that was following the game against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins on uh, Saturday night. Carey Price was the winner of the Molson Cup for the month of December, which means he won it for the third consecutive month. And he was also named the third star of the week for last week's uh, performance. So, Peter, uh, get this one started. What is your evaluation of uh, Carey Price's uh, season so far? Well, I think it's an unbelievable season that he's had so far. Um, I just I just want to refer to not the Tampa Bay game, but that Pittsburgh game uh, last Saturday. He was just unbelievable, dominating. That's one of the best games I've ever seen Carey Price play, and uh, just goes. That's that was more proof that uh, he is an elite goaltender in the NHL. And uh, for all those doubters, I mean, it's unbelievable. Anyway, so for me, Carey Price is 
you know, I'd say he's exceeding expectations. I think yeah, I'm very satisfied with what he's been doing so far, and uh, I've. I have nothing against uh, his play, and uh, if he keeps going like this, uh, you know the Canadians can be assured that uh, the goaltending position is uh, okay for at least uh, the rest of this season, and hopefully they won't get any bad luck and uh, get an injury on his behalf like they did last season when they faced the Rangers in the conference finals. And I'll agree with you as well. I also think that Carey Price is exceeding expectations, and. I knew that Carey Price was a good goaltender, one of the best goaltenders in the league. Was expecting him to give the numbers that he has. It's, it's no, I guess I wasn't expecting it. I'm not shocked about it, but he's the. I think the main reason the Canadians are right now in the standings. Twenty-two, ten, and one record. He has a two twenty goals against average and a nine twenty-seven save uh, percentage, which. Those are pretty good stats, and uh, these are probably Carey Price's best stats so far in his uh, his young NHL career. And for any team to go on to go deep in the playoff run, they need a good goaltender. And Canadians do have one in uh, in Carey Price, so at least the goaltending is not an issue for the Montreal Canadiens. If you look at the backup goaltender, Dustin Tokarski. Uh, my evaluation for him would be as well the same thing, exceeding my expectations. At the beginning of the season before, uh, well, I should say during the off season, to me, I wasn't sure if uh, Canadians would keep Peter Buda or if they kept uh, Dustin Tokarski. I had even gone on record saying that I think the Canadians would have kept Peter Budai, and I'm glad they didn't. Uh, Dustin Tokarski has done the job so far. He has four two and one record with a two twenty three goals against average and a nine twenty four save percentage. The sample size is smaller, but his stats are very similar to uh, to Carey Price. And I think Dustin Tokarski so far this year has had only one bad game, and every game that he's uh, he's played so far, he's given the Canadians a chance to win. I'm very satisfied as well with Dustin Tokarski, and I think, uh, like we had said in our first uh, show of the season, we we prefer to have Tokarski as the backup. Uh, we just couldn't see how Budai could come back as a backup, and I think more better proof of that is that Peter Budai today is in the Jets organization, and he's not even there with the big club, you know, he's uh, in the AHL, so that's just more proof that the Canadians made the right decision. So so what would be your rating for him? I'd be very very satisfied. So is that exceeding expectations. Yeah. And the last I heard from a scouting report from uh, about Peter Budai, he was the backup goalie in the AHL team, and last I heard he didn't even have a win yet. So he hasn't won a game as a backup goalie in the, in the uh, AHL. Uh, Peter, before you spoke about... Uh, Carey Price being injured last year. In fact, even the year before that against the Ottawa Senators, he 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 was injured and didn't finish uh, the season. Uh, going forward for the second half of the season, do you think Michel Temien should take that into consideration in determining the workload for uh, for Carey Price? Well, in, in some cases, like uh, last season, it was just a, a thing of bad luck. I mean, uh, Chris Kreider just ran over him and which caused the injury. I, I, it's not a question of 
whether he had played 60 games in the regular season, 70 or even 40, that injury would have happened anyway. So I don't, I don't think playing time uh, runs a factor in in this decision. So at, at this pace, uh, Carey Price will have will start 66 games, and Dustin Tokarski will start about uh, you know 40. Uh, my math is bad. 14 games, 15 games, etc. So I think 16, that's yeah. 16 games. So I think that's a good. Uh, workloads and it depends at the end of the season if the Canadians are assured of a playoff spot maybe then play a little bit Dustin Tokarski a little more often to give some rest to the Montreal Canadiens goaltenders all right we're going to take our first break on the other side we'll start evaluating the forwards our question of the day you can let us know via Twitter is pretty simple which players have surprised and disappointed you in the first half of the Montreal Canadian season. You're listening to the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best Spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, search Habs 360 on lawhabs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM has proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980 along with uh, Peter as we go along with our mid-season performance reviews of the Montreal Canadiens. Canadiens facing the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern at uh, the Bell Centre. So there's a rematch from last Saturday night's game where the Canadiens 
ended up beating the Penguins by a score of 4-1. to one. A couple of news and notes for that game. P.A. Paranto will not be in the lineup tonight. He's still suffering from that upper body injury in the game from the game against the New Jersey Devils from January 2nd. And Christian Thomas, who was recalled by the Hamilton, uh, from the Hamilton Bulldogs, will be in the lineup. Manny Maholtra uh, will not be playing tonight. And I don't remember seeing confirmation of a, of a starting goaltender for tonight, but I, we should be safe to assume that it will be Canadian's goaltender, uh, Carey Price. So just a reminder for evaluations, uh, there's three possible grades, below expectations, meeting expectations, or exceeding expectations is the way we'll be evaluating the players. You can join along via Twitter or via the Block Talk Radio chat room. Let's move on now and start grading the forwards. Sergey Gonchar. Up the head for Gallagher. Tipped in. Pantoretti with a shot. Scores! So that was uh, Max Pantoretti scoring the sev- his 17th goal of the season on uh, Tuesday nights against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that brought the Canadians uh, within two goals against the Lightning, but that wasn't enough. So, Peter, let's start with you. What is your evaluation on uh, Max Pacioretty's season so far? I think he's, uh, can I say exceeding expectations? No, I I can't say. I'm, I'm, very, I'm satisfied. Uh, obviously, I would expect him uh, to be a little better. I can't really complain. With 17 goals at this uh, part of the season, he's uh, not on pace to reach that 39-goal mark that he had last season. So for him to reach the 40-goal plateau, he'd have to pick up the pace a bit. But uh, I expect, you know, I think he needs a bit of time to get a little chemistry going with Galchenyuk, and I think that it's always possible for him to reach that mark. So right now he's meeting your expectations? Yes. So it's the same grade for myself. Uh, I also think he's meeting expectations. Main reason is last year, like you mentioned, scored 39 goals. He's not on pace to get it right now. But that could easily change, right? You get one game where he gets a hat-trick or a couple multiple games, and he's back on that pace as well. And the difference between Max Pacioretty from this year compared to previous seasons, previous seasons there's been times where he's gone 10, 15 games with maybe one goal. This year he hasn't gone through long stretches without a goal as well. And another thing that has impressed me is this year Max Pacioretty was given an A to be an assistant captain, and I think he's done a great job so far even after he scored a goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning, he went in front of the bench, told the guys, come on, let's go. And even all the clips that we've been hearing, either here on Haps 360 or that you see him on TV, I think he's done great in uh, in showing some leadership skills. If you move on now, talk about Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, for him, output meets expectations. I think he's doing a... a a, a good job. He's starting up at center. He's played 11 games, and the Canadians, the record at that time is 9-2. and two. How much of it can be attributed to uh, Galchenyuk? You know, that's uh, debatable, and, and you understand why when we talk about a couple of players down. So he has 
27 points, so he's on pace for for 50 goals. For, sorry, 50 points. I wish it was 50 goals. So I think he's doing good. He's going to develop. He's going to become better at the, at center. And who knows, by the end of the season, his performance might increase to exceed. But right now, to me, he's meeting expectations. I think he's exceeding expectations because uh, starting the season on the wing, uh, I think he... His play with uh, Plekanic and uh, the fact that Dernier was not doing too good, I think sort of forced uh, the coaching staff to actually give him that shot that everybody's been begging them to give him at as a first-line center. And uh, for that reason, I think he's exceeding expectations, and I'm expecting him to do even better in the second half as he builds... Uh, more and more chemistry with uh, Max Pacioretty on that top line. Okay, and what about, let's finish that line, Peter and Brendan Gallagher? Uh, well, with Brendan Gallagher, I have nothing to... Uh, is he exceeding expectations? No, I think he's just doing what we all expected. Uh, he's trying to do his best. Uh, the problem with this is Brendan Gallagher is not, in in my opinion, he's not a top-line right-winger on uh, an elite uh, team. The Canadians are one of the best teams in the NHL, and I think for them to be successful, they need somebody else in that slot. So I think for Gallagher to be more effective on this team, he'll have to be placed as a second-line winger at best. And uh, and that's how I see him uh, exceeding expectations in the second half of the season. Uh, I'll agree with you. I think he's meeting expectations as well. He has 22 points. So he's on pace on equaling his uh, production from last year where he had uh, 41 points. Uh, the, I would say the one downfall for Brendan Gallagher, it seems, especially in the beginning of the season, he was targeted by the officials. So he spent a lot of time off the ice. Is it his fault? Probably not. But uh, I think he's doing a... Uh, a good job at the role that he's put, and I agree with you as well that probably the the first first line right winger isn't the the good role for uh, for Gallagher. Here's Dernay wide shoot scores. David Dernay blows one through. So we heard Dave Randolph there call David David Dernay sixth goal of the season. That was on last Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. At that time, he gave the Canadians a 2-1 lead. I'll start with Dernan. I'll say that he's meeting expectations. I think he's... uh, Now that he's off the first-line center, which which I think was not his role, he shouldn't have been placed there by the coaching staff. But ever since he's been... As a winger, I think he's done his job. He seems to be a good sport about it, at least publicly. We haven't heard him complain or uh, about the uh, the motion so far. His uh, production for uh, the season, he has 21 points in 40 games, which isn't bad. It's uh, it's 40 points, which compared to last year, he finished the season with 52 points. So it's it's a little bit of a of a drop. And I know before I mentioned in terms of wins and losses, you can make sides tell whatever you want. 
the Canadians, ever since David Darnay was placed on left wing, they have a six and one record. So how much of an impact did David Darnay have on that? Who knows? So my final rating is meets expectations. I would have two different grades for uh, Darnay. I would give, I would say that he uh, did not meet expectations in the first part when he was first line center. I thought that. The problem was solved with him and Pacioretty uh, having chemistry together, and uh, I was expecting him to have a good start to the season. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But once uh, David was moved off of that line and originally became a third-line center, uh, I thought he was doing well in that role. Then when Lars Eller came back, Dearnay was moved on the wing. Even though the Canadians have been doing good, since that move, I think that uh, right now he he is meeting expectations, but I would like for him to exceed expectations by picking up the pace offensively a bit. I think he is a 50-point uh, player, and right now, like you said, Chris, he's on pace for 40, so I think the Canadians need him to contribute a bit more on that. But I think the ideal role for Diarne on this team is to be a third-line center than to be a second-line winger. And uh, I think for the Canadians to move on and have success, that would be his ideal position. Okay, what about Thomas Plekanec? I think Plekanec is uh, exceeding expectations. I think he's... Um, I, th I think the fact that he was... Uh, named part of the uh, leadership uh, team. Uh, he's taken that role uh, to heart and he's uh, putting up good numbers. I mean, it's very rare. That, I don't think there's. it's happened, has it happened even uh, this year that we've said, oh, Plekanic's had a bad game. I don't think so. I think he's He's a, he's a very, very consistent player, often the most used forward on the Montreal Canadiens game in, game out. Uh, Michel Terry has 110% confidence in this guy, and uh, I have no doubts uh, in that. And uh, I think if he keeps this up, he's he's got this second-line center spot solidified, and I think he's uh, perfect for that role on this Habs team. I'll put exceeding expectations as well. He does his work. He had a great start of the season. A little more... Uh, and he, he plays and he's very discreet. He's not a flashy player like we've mentioned before. And if you look at his offensive production, he has 26 points, so he's in pace on 52, which uh, which it would be quite the increase compared to uh, to last season when he was in uh, in the 40s. So... Next player is uh, P.A. Paranto. Uh, Paranto, like I mentioned, he's not playing tonight as he's out with an injury, with an upper body injury. He should be back shortly as he practiced with his teammates for the first time uh, this morning. For P.A. Paranto, I'll say he is meeting expectations. I uh, wasn't expecting much from him because in Colorado, he was a healthy scratch. So I, I wasn't expecting anything different from him over here, he has 15 points in uh, in 38 games, and one of the positive, he's gotten four game winners shootouts, which allowed the Canadians to get uh, four extra points in the in the standings. 
Uh, on my part, I think he's uh, below expectations because I think the Canadians had uh, big plans for him uh, as a top six uh, forward. And when you see that he only has six goals in uh, 38 games, it doesn't really... Uh, well, if you had the four shootout, he has 10. <laughs> yeah. But if you also look at uh, the person he got traded for, Daniel Briere, he's got eight goals this season. So, you know, you made the trade to get more goals up front and the guy you traded him for has more goals than him so in that sense i think it's a disappointment uh the only upside to him chris like you said is those shootout winning goals i think he's found that role temporarily on this team but for the canadians to have more success they need him to uh put up to play at a better pace than he did in the first half put up better numbers and uh, hopefully that will be the case uh, for Parento. Lars Eller. Lars Eller. Uh, I think he's meeting expectations. Uh, right now he's the team's third-line center. Uh, obviously, I think Habs fans will like for him to have a bit better numbers offensively, but uh, he's not that type of player. I've been saying it for a while. Uh, and in my ideal world, Lars Eller would be a left winger on that third line, not a center. I think with Dearnay at center and Eller on the wing on that third line, the, the team would be a lot, a lot stronger in both positions. And I think they would be more effective. Unfortunately, that's not the case right now. But uh, besides that, I think Lars Eller is doing a decent job. I'll put Lars Eller meets expectations as well. It was a little bit of a borderline decision uh, for me to make that call. But I think what uh, what helped me go to that meets expectations rating was his, his the face-off percentage. He's 57%, so that's a pretty strong uh Face-off percentage for him to have uh, to have won. So I think he's improved that game uh, significantly this year. He has 15 points. He's on pace on 30, which is a little bit more than last year. So it's a little bit, like I said, a borderline, but I'll stick with the meets expectations. Uh, let's talk about now Yirchi Sekach. On my end, I'll put him as exceeding expectations. You know, could have been ignorant. We didn't know much about him before he joined the Montreal Canadiens. We had just heard that, you know, he he's this guy coming over from the KHL. Twelve teams wanted him. Canadians came, uh, are the ones that he that he chose, I should say. And he's done well in 15 points in 33 games. He's the type of player that he works hard, he goes, he crashes the net, and I was, I've been really impressed with his game so far. I think he's uh, meeting expectations, but I'll give you the reason why. I believe that if he was better used, he would be exceeding expectations. In uh, in my opinion, Yuri Sikak should be, I mean, just don't look any further. I mean, the Canadians right now don't have, they have a terrible power play. It's one of the worst in the league. And I think 
I find I still find it mind-boggling why Michel Therrien doesn't use Yuri Sikak on the power play. It's unbelievable. I think he could be a very effective player on the power play. Uh, I think he needs more ice time per game. Uh, I think Sikak could be uh, a very effective top six forward on this team. He just needs to be given a chance, and uh, I don't know why he's not. And... Uh, Please, uh, like, I mean, Michel Therrien, start using this guy more on a power play and you'll see it'll be a lot more effective. Just give this guy a chance. I mean, I find it unbelievable that Canadians were one of the teams going after him. He accepted to come on this team. What did the Canadians promise him and what are they, and what are they, what did they guarantee him? And what he's doing now, I don't think... One meets the other, uh, but I think CCAC could be a lot more effective. They just need to use him a lot more, and uh, I don't know why they're worried. He's one of the best. I think he's one of the best wingers on this team. Okay, Brandon Prust. Brandon Prust is meeting expectations. I mean, what more can you expect from him? I mean, uh, he's an effective... Uh, uh, fourth line winger who could be very effective on the third line as well. Uh, I've got nothing against Brandon. He's a leader on this team. He's uh, he's meeting expectations, and I'm uh, very happy he's on this team. I'll put meets expectations as well. If you compare it to to last year, he has improved, but I think last year he had his play had gone down compared to the first year he was uh, that he was with the Montreal Canadiens. But overall, I think he's meeting expectations because he's he's a guy who defends his teammates, always goes up the bat uh, up up the bat for them. He's dropped the gloves to defending teammates, so that's why I'll give Braden Price the meets expectations. Uh, Dale Weiss, the next player on uh, on my chart, Dale Weiss. I'll go and I'll say exceeding expectations. Dale Weiss has been used on the fourth line, on the third line, on the second line, and he's even been used on the first line throughout this season. And no matter what the role the coach has given him, he's uh, he's been successful, and he leads the team with a plus 11 this year. Like, if... How... how like, would you ever imagine that, that Dale we've seen the team with a plus 11 uh, this year? I find it uh, hard to believe. And... Like I said, I think he's a very valuable player to this uh, to the team. Actually, Chris is one player that has more a better plus minus oh, yeah, than Patrick. Max Pacioretty, which so, is logical because he puts up bigger numbers. But who would expect they always to be the second on the team in plus minus as well? I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. I think he exceeds expectations as well. Uh, Coach Terry, I think he's be, he's become one of his favorite players. Uh, he. Whether he's asked to play on the first line, second line, third line, or fourth line, uh, Weiss has been uh, doing the job, and uh, he's like a great role player. He could fill in uh, in any line, and uh, I think his ideal spot, obviously, is on the third or the fourth, but and occasionally have him fill in on the top two lines if needed during the game, but uh, this was one of the best acquisitions Mark Bergevin has done in... Uh, as GM of the Canadians, that's for sure. So, Peter, Mandy Mahotra. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Uh, Malhotra, I think he's, uh, wow, I'd say he's met expectations because I did not expect him to do anything else but be a face-off specialist on this team. Uh, many people are saying are disappointed that he's not putting any numbers on the board, but did you really expect a player like Manny Maholtra to be putting any points on the board? I think his role on the team is just to do win key face-offs, especially in the defensive zone. He's been doing that, and uh, anything else would be a plus, except that right now he hasn't been doing anything more, so that's why I don't see he's exceeded expectations. I think he's just met them. So I'll agree with you as well. Manny Maholtra is meeting expectations. He wasn't expected, like you said, to score, but one assist after playing uh, 38 games, I, it's still not enough, even though he's a fourth-line player. And for maybe in 10 seconds, Michael Bourneval and Sven Andrigero. Uh Wow. Uh, I think we haven't seen enough of them uh, yet. I can't say they've done bad or good. I Well, they haven't made the team look bad, that's for sure, and uh, they're just doing the best they can, and uh, I'm happy with both of them. So I'll just say the same thing. I think they are meeting expectations as well because right now we've had a small sample size for both of them. I'm actually very eager to see how they're going to be used tonight. I have a feeling that with Christian Thomas getting called up, I think Terry is going to go with the kid line, go with Bourneval and Trigueto and Christian Thomas as a fourth line. And that's what it looks like it's going to be based on uh, based on what we saw yesterday in practice as well. That'll be very interesting to see. So the Canadians facing the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at 7 o'clock at uh, the Bell Center. Christian Thomas was recalled earlier this week from the Hamilton Bulldogs. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the defensemen, the coaching staff, and the general managers. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Framework Sports Marketing has been manufacturing high-quality sports memorabilia since 1992. By setting new standards in the industry, Frameworth is now the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, CFL, and Hockey Hall of Fame. Frameworth is also the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best players in the world, including Sidney Crosby. Jonathan Tays, John Tavares, Alec Galchenyuk, and much more. Unlike other companies, Frameworth produces most of what they sell, and this allows them to guarantee the quality of every piece. For more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit Frameworth.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time.
This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to uh, Habs 360 on allhabs.net. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980, along with uh, Peter on uh, Twitter. Uh, we have Dino Skinner in regards to our earlier conversation if uh, the Canadians, if we should be concerned if the Canadians face a Tampa Bay Lightning. He writes, yes. The Habs are a step or two behind the Lightning. Habs need more toughness, goal, scoring, and depth. Thank you very much for the tweet, Gino. And you can keep them coming. Twitter account is at Habs360. Give us a follow. We follow back every single person that uh, follow us. So we're going to start talking about uh, evaluating the the defensemen. Three possible grades, meets expectations, below expectations, or exceeds expectations. Now let's begin with uh, number 76, uh, P.K. Subban, who had a tough game on Tuesday night against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's hear first what uh, P.K. had to say. Let my frustration get the best of me there. And, you know, I think, obviously, I know Marquis, you know, my partner, and obviously I want to stand up for him, but you can't do that in a 1-1 game. So, you know, probably something that I want to take back for sure. Listen, I, I probably should have just mind my own business. I'm on the bench. I shouldn't be getting involved anyway. But, you know, sometimes that's what happens when emotions get the best of you. But, you know, you learn and you move from there. So if you if you missed the game, P.K. Shuban from the bench went and uh, with a stick, knocked, hit a player. It was a tap against a player of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, at the time, the penalty was 1-1. Tampa Bay ended up scoring a goal, take a 2-1 lead, and then, like they say, the rest is history. Uh, after the game, here are Terry's thoughts on the PK's play that night. Michelle, it seemed to be a difficult night for PK Subban. What did you think of his performance and the flashing penalty he took that resulted in the second goal? Yeah, he had a tough night. Did you say anything to him after the penalty he took on Conley, the flash from the bench? That was undisciplined. A man of few words, Michel Terrier, on uh, on on that night following the 4-2 loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, P.K. Subban, I'll go first. My evaluation for him, I think, this year, sorry, for the first half of the season, it meets expectations. He hasn't been as flashy as he has been in previous years. But discreetly, he's gotten, you know, 27 points in 40 games. And this is in a situation where the power play isn't even working, where in the past he's gotten most of his points with the power play, and that's not the case this year. I think he has gotten better uh, defensively compared to uh, other years. But we still see, and the example of it was on Tuesday night, where he still does make some mistakes. But P.K. Subban, as we know, he's going to be a superstar of, uh, of this team. I agree with you. I mean, he's uh, meeting expectations. Uh, just point-wise, he's on pace to reach the same as uh, pretty much the same amount of points as last season. Uh, for him to exceed expectations, I guess the power play has to work a bit, a lot better. And uh, he's one of the key people on that uh, power play. And uh, they got to find a solution there, and it goes through P.K. Subban. Uh, he's one of the key elements on that power play. It's not working right now, and I think that they need him to uh, 
exceed expectations by uh, playing a lot better on the power play. Andre Markov. Um, Markov is uh, exceeding expectations on my behalf because for a for a defenseman of his age with the past history that he's had uh, in injuries, I mean he's playing like uh, he's uh, a young thirty year old defenseman and uh, he's playing uh, he's. Uh, At least this season, he's not playing more minutes than P.K. Subban on average, which is, uh, I, I find, a good thing. I think uh, it's better to manage his minutes so he can be a lot more effective uh, in the playoffs. But uh, besides that, uh, I think he's uh, meeting expectations. I'd like him to exceed, for, for him to exceed expectations, I'd like him to be a bit more effective also as well on the power play. He's also one of the key contributors on it he's usually the the playmaker on that power play uh where he usually feeds Suman or Pacioretty or whoever else is on that power play so hopefully they could figure it out in the second half and uh go with uh, some good momentum into the playoffs so I'll see meaning expectations as well for Andrei Markov I think he has been the best defenseman of the Canadians this season and just like like Peter mentioned I think the power play if uh, if he was more if the property was more productive, I think I would have bumped his grade up to uh, exceeding. Uh, Nathan Bollier, I'm going to put him as meeting expectations. He had in the beginning of the season his play wasn't the best, and the team was forced to send him down to Hamilton to get better. But since he's come back, I think he's done a great job. But overall, I think I'll give him that he's uh, meeting my expectations. Yeah, I'd say. If if this evaluation was done a little earlier, I'd say uh, he was he wasn't meeting expectations, but I think right now he is, and uh, I think the the management and coaching staff have given him a great vote of confidence by uh, number one uh, uh, having Mike Weaver being a player who doesn't play as much now, who's usually a healthy scratch uh, lately, and Brian Allen. Uh, being sent to Hamilton, I think it's a great vote of confidence, and I think Nathan Bolio will have a strong second half this season. And uh, I'd like for the coaching staff to use him maybe a bit more uh, on the power play uh, when, because it's not effective now, and I think he could be an occasional contributor to it and maybe help out and make it a bit more effective. Alexi Emlin. Alexei Amelin, uh, I think he's, wow, I think he's below expectations a bit. I was expecting him to be a lot more of a, uh, he doesn't seem to be that big uh, hitting machine that he was, like uh, the, when they had nicknamed him Boom, uh, I think... Uh, he hasn't had that fear factor this season, even though I think he still has it in him, and uh, he could do that. Uh, but besides that, I think uh, Emelin is uh, doing okay. And he's below my expectations uh, as well. And like you mentioned, he doesn't hit anymore. <laughs> it's uh, it's for some reason it's out of his game uh, completely, and he needs it to be part of his game to be successful. Emelin should be at number 
three number four defenseman, but the way that he's playing, he certainly isn't playing uh, to be in that role. Sergey Gonchar, who was acquired during the season, I'm going to go with exceeding expectations for him. I wasn't expecting much for a 40-year-old defenseman, but since he's came, I think he's done a great job, and we see even more now with uh, when he's playing with uh, with Nathan Bollier. Uh, I think he's exceeding expectations as well. I did not expect him to uh, to be that effective as a 3-4 defenseman on this team. And uh, as for me, I think he's doing uh, very well. At least he's contributing more than the other acquisition that Mark Bergevin did, uh, which I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, soon. We can talk about one right now, Tom Gilbert. Oh man, Tom Gilbert, he is definitely not meeting expectations. Uh, wow, for a guy who was expected to uh, contribute offensively and uh, contribute on the power play, I mean, uh, he has been very disappointing. And uh, mind you, I did not, you know, I'm saying he does not meet expectations, but if I refer to the dump. Tom Gilbert in the past, I did not expect him to be any better than what he was. So what he's doing so far this season is pretty much the Tom Gilbert of old. He's not a new Tom Gilbert. He's the old Tom Gilbert. And, you know, I think the Canadians would like a mulligan on this acquisition. And uh, I'm sure he's uh, one of the next guys in line that Mark Bergeron would like to uh, trade away. The only thing I would add about Tom Gilbert expectations he was expected to come in and help on the second wave of the power play and he didn't and it sort of forced the means to go get somebody like uh, Sergei Gonchar to fill that role so that's all put below expectations. Uh, Mike Weaver I'm going to go with below expectations for him as well. We haven't seen the same Mike Weaver that we saw last year when he was acquired at uh, at the trade deadline but that being said he's still done has done some good work on shorthanded, but he's been healthy about a month and he hasn't been put back in a lineup. So that certainly tells a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, below expectations, I expected him to be a uh, solid uh, third pairing uh, defenseman. And uh, like you said, he's been healthy for a while and the Canadians just haven't found a spot for him in their lineup and uh, the team is doing uh, well so far without him in the lineup so it's going to be very very tough for him uh, to make the lineup again barring an injury so um, let's hope this time off uh, helped him uh, heal and uh, work on some things and when he makes it back to the lineup that he makes it hard for the coaching staff to uh, take him up. So Brian Allen is done in Hamilton, so I guess that's self-explanatory that uh, he is below expectations. So if we move on and talk about uh, the coach, Michel Temi. So I'll set it up here in regards to some hard or some controversial decisions that the coach had to do during the season. Uh, an aspect of the game was the bad first period that the Canadians have had, allowing the first goal on, in 25 out of the 40 games. Power play has been bad the entire season. Right now, it's been one for the last 16 in the last nine games. Beginning of the season, season, Yerchi Sekach was scratched for seven games. Some other decisions, Galchenyuk was placed 
at center, and it seems to be at for full time. David Dernay split for Max Pacioretty. At the beginning of the season, we had Dale Weiss, who was scratched for three games. There was also Mikhail Bornival, who struggled to enter the lineup at the beginning of the season. A lot of talk about the way he's been handling the younger players. And the last item that, I, that I'll mention, and you know there's probably more, there's always something, is the line combinations that he's done throughout the season. And there was a lot of uh, discussion when somebody like Dale Weiss was put on the first and second line. So, Peter, your final evaluation on on the coach? Well, I think he's just met expectations. I mean, uh, he's made uh, the same type of tough decisions that he did last season. Uh, he, I was surprised that he finally did decide to split the RNA with Pacioretty and finally go with Kalchenyuk as the top-line center, but... Uh, he hasn't been afraid to make uh, those moves. I mean, uh, Brian Allen was a uh, Mark Bergevin acquisition, and after five games, you know, like, he gave him a shot, and after five games, it didn't work out. So he's made tough decisions, uh, but that's what I've, I expected from uh, Michel Therrien. He's not afraid to... Uh, he's got his own style, and... Uh, He's continued uh, doing it this season, and uh, I think he's met expectations. Well, I'll say meet expectations as well. This one I was debating between exceeding and meeting. The reason why I was thinking of exceeding is because of where the Canadians are in the standings, wins and losses, and that's what's important for a coach. But then when you look at the bad first periods, when you look at the Canadians' bad power play, I think that falls under their responsibility ultimately to the head coach, and he hasn't been able to find a solution for it, and that's what bumped down the decision, uh, my rating, to be uh, meets expectations. Uh, last person we'll be evaluating today will be the general manager, Mark Bergervain, so I'll set this one up as well. Some off-season acquisitions and signings, P.A. Paroto, Yirchi Sekach, Manny Mahotra, uh, Mike Weaver was extended, P.K. Subban was extended, the coach, Michel Terrier, was extended as well. During the offseason, Brian Gionta, Josh Georges, and Peter Budai left the team. In the season, Brian Allen and Sergey Gonchar were acquired and let go during the season were Travis Moen and Rennie Bork. So my evaluation for the GM will be exceeding expectations. I think the GM has done a good job an excellent job, I should say. We didn't think Travis Moen was tradable. He got traded. We didn't think Rennie Bork was tradable. He got traded. Another thing that I like about uh, Mark Bergevin, they signed Brian Allen. Sorry, they, they traded for Brian Allen, I should say, this year. It wasn't working. They weren't afraid right away. They sent him down to Hamilton Bulldogs. There wasn't uh, an ego wasn't part of it to say, you know what, I just signed him. I don't want to look bad. Give him a chance which I'm pretty sure was the case back in the day when the Canadians had Scott Gomez, whereas a lot of it was a GM's ego where they sort of were forcing, trying to force it to make it work, and it didn't. And we spoke about Yerchi Sekac. I think that was a good signing. P.K. Subban, long-term deal, deal, I think that was a good move as well by the general manager. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with the exceeding expectation, especially if we refer to pre the 
previous most recent general managers that the teams had. Uh, Mark Bergevin is a lot more uh, proactive, uh, doesn't uh, wait too long when things are not going good or when there's a problem on the team or something. He's not afraid to uh, pull the trigger on a trade. Uh, you know, and what makes me decide that he's exceeded expectations is more often than not, he's been on the right, on the good side of a trade than, I mean, besides the Brian Allen acquisition, uh, he took a chance, you know, he got rid of Rooney Burke, who was a, a problem on this team. He found the first guy that he could. Brian Allen was offered to him. He gave him a shot. Didn't work out. Was it, is it really considered a bad trade? Not really. But no. Because that trade was also for next year. Brian Allen, at the end of the year, is a free agent, so he's out of here. Exactly. So I think he's had the advantage on most of the moves that he's done so far. And in that case, that's why I think he's exceeded expectations. Yeah, and he's he's a very proactive general manager as well for Mark Bergevin, which is uh, something that I think is uh, really good for the uh, organization. All right, so I hope you enjoyed our uh, mid-season performance reviews. You can go ahead and still let us know your comments via Twitter at Habs360, even after at the end of the broadcast. And also you can uh, post your comments as well on uh, the article on uh, allhabs.net. Peter G., thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Chris. Uh, Twitter handle is at Peter Galanos. Canadians playing three games this week. Tonight, 7 o'clock game at the Bell Center against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rematch from last week. You can watch this game coast-to-coast. For the first time this season, the Canadians will be on CBC. And obviously, that's because the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't playing. And if you want to watch it in French, it's on the TVA Sports. Canadians have a couple of days off. Then Wednesday, they're in Columbus at 7 o'clock Eastern to face the Columbus Blue Jackets, a game that could be seen coast-to-coast in English on the Sportsnet, and in French could be seen on RDS for viewers east of Belleville. Then the following night, Thursday, Canadians in Ottawa, a 7.30 p.m. start, a game that could be seen to viewers in Belleville East, and you'll have two options in English. You can watch it on Sportsnet East, and you can watch it on TSN 5. So it's one of the two Canadian games this year that will be available on TSN. So if you're going to do like me, I'll be watching that game on uh, Thursday night on uh, TSN because I think they do an excellent job uh, covering the NHL. And in French, still available for viewers, Belleville East on uh, RDS. Next week on the episode... We'll be recapping those games and we'll be previewing the game against the New York Islanders, so another tough opponent coming up for the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 on Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Habs 360 Podcast. Have a good week. Stay warm, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.